Chapter Nineteen of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Three, by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michelle Eaton. Chapter Nineteen presents the reader with some occurrences, which from the foregoing preparations might be expected, and also with others that may seem more surprising. Miss Betsy was not deceived in her conjecture in relation to the pictures being designed as an offering to some lady mr trueworth had not indeed sat for it to please himself but to oblige miss harriet who had given some hints that such a present would not be unwelcome to her it is a common thing with painters to keep the pieces in their own hands as long as they can after they are finished especially if they are of persons endued by nature with any perfections which may do honour to their art this gentleman was like others of his profession he found it to his credit to show mr trueworth's picture to as many as came to look over his paintings and had detained it for several days beyond the time in which he had promised to send it on pretence that there were still some little touches wanting in the drapery mr trueworth growing a little impatient at the delay as miss harriet had asked two or three times in a gay manner when she should see his resemblance he went himself in order to fetch it away the painter was surprised at sight of him and much more so when he demanded the picture he told him however the whole truth without hesitation that he delivered it to a lady not above an hour before he came who paid him the money for it and said that she had called for it on his request nothing had ever happened that seemed more strange to him he made a particular inquiry concerning the face age complexion shape stature and even dress of the lady who had put this trick upon him and it was well for miss betsy that she had taken all the precautions she did or she had infallibly been discovered a thing which perhaps would have given her more lasting confusion than even her late unlucky adventure with the mock baronet she was however among all the ladies of his acquaintance almost the only one who never came into his head on this occasion sometimes he thought of one sometimes he thought of another but on recollecting all the particulars of their behaviour towards him could find no reason to ascribe what had been done to any of them miss flora was the only person he could imagine capable of such a thing he found it highly probable that her love and invention had furnished her with the means of committing this innocent fraud and though he was heartily vexed that he must be at the trouble of sitting for another picture yet he could not be angry with the woman who had occasioned it on the contrary he thought there was something so tender and so delicate withal in this proof of her passion that it very much enhanced the pity and good will he before had for her but while his generous heart was entertaining these too favourable and kind sentiments of her she was employing her whole wicked wit to make him appear the basest of mankind and also to render him the most unhappy she had found out everything she wanted to know concerning mr trueworth's courtship to miss harriet and flattered herself that a lady bred in the country and unacquainted with the artifices frequently practised in town to blacken the fairest characters would easily be frighted into a belief of anything she attempted to inspire her with in the vile hope therefore of accomplishing so detestable a project she contrived a letter in the following terms to miss harriet lovett madam 
where innocence is about to suffer merely through its incapacity of suspecting that ill in another it cannot be guilty of itself common honesty forbids a stander-by to be silent you are on the brink of a precipice which if you fall into it is not in the power of human art to save you death only can remove you from misery remorse distraction and woes without a name true worth that sly deceiver of your sex and most abandoned of his own can only bring you a polluted heart and prostituted vows he made the most honourable professions of love to a young lady of family and character gained her affections i hope no more but whatever was between them he basely quitted her to mourn her ill-placed love and ruined same yet this madam in but his least of crimes he has since practised his betraying arts on another superior to the former in every female virtue and accomplishment second to none in beauty and of a reputation spotless as the sun till an unhappy passion for that worst of men obscured its brightness at least in the eyes of the censorous he is however bound to her by the most solemn engagements that words can form under his own writing which if she does not in due time produce against him it will be owing only to her too great modesty these two madam are the most conspicuous victims of his perseverance. pray heaven you may not close the sad triumvirate and that i may never see such beauty and such goodness stand among the foremost in the rank of those many wretches he has made in fine madam he has deceived your friends and betrayed you into a mistaken opinion of his honour and sincerity if he marries you you cannot but be miserable he being the right of another if he does not marry you your reputation suffers happy is it for you if the loss of reputation is all you will have to regret he already boasts of having received favours from you which whoever looks in your face will find it very difficult to think you capable of granting but yet who knows what strange effects too great a share of tenderness in the composition may not have produced fly then madam from this destructive town and the worst monster in it true worth retire in time to those peaceful chaise from whence you came and save what yet remains of you worthy your attention to preserve whatever reports to your prejudice the vanity of your injurious deceiver may have made him give out among his loose companions i still hope your virtue has hitherto protected you and that this warning will not come too late to keep you from ever verifying them be assured madam that in giving this account i am instigated by no other motive than merely my love of virtue and detestation of all who would endeavour to corrupt it and that i am with a perfect sincerity madam your well-wisher and humble servant unknown miss flora on considering what she had wrote began to think she had expressed herself in somewhat too warm a manner but she let it pass on this account by the virulence said she with which i have spoke of true worth his adored miss harriet will certainly imagine it comes from one of those unhappy creatures i have represented in it and if so it will gain the more credit with her if she supposes that rage and despair has dictated some groundless accusations against her lover she nevertheless will believe others to be fact 
and that at least he has been false to one she therefore went to the person who was always her secretary in affairs of this nature and having got it copied was going to the post-house in order to send it away for she never trusted any person but herself with these dispatches she was within three or four yards of the post-house when she saw mr trueworth at some distance on the other side of the street her heart fluttered at this unexpected sight of him she had no power to refrain speaking to him she stayed not to put her letter in but flew directly across the way and met him just as he was turning the corner of another street oh mr trueworth cried she as they drew near to each other i have prayed that i might live once more to see you and heaven has granted my petition i hope madam said he that heaven will always be equally propitious to your desires in things of greater moment there can scarce be any of greater moment answered she for at present i have a request to make you of the utmost importance to me though no more than i am certain you would readily grant to any one you had the least acquaintance with but continued she this is no proper place for us to discourse in upon the terms we now are it can be no breach of faith to the mistress of your vows to step with me for three minutes where we may not be exposed to the view of every passenger mr trueworth had not been very well pleased with the encounter and would gladly have dispensed with complying with her invitation but thought after what she had said he could not refuse without being guilty of a rudeness unbecoming of himself as well as cruel to her yet did he comply in such a manner as might make her see his inclination had little part in his consent he told her he was in a very great haste but would snatch as much time as she mentioned from the business he was upon nothing more was said and they went together into the nearest tavern where being seated and wine brought in now madam said he with a cold civility please to favour me with your commands alas replied she it belongs not to me to command my request you have already granted what without knowing it cried he yes resumed she i thought an intimacy such as ours has been ought not to have been broke off without a kind farewell i blame you not for marrying yet sure i deserve not to be quite forsaken utterly thrown off you might at least have flattered me with the hope that in spite of your matrimonial engagement you would still retain some sparks of affection for your poor flora be assured said he i shall always think on you with tenderness and can you then resolve never to see me more rejoined she passionately i hoped replied he that you had acquiesced into the reasons i gave for that resolution i hoped so too said she and made use of my utmost efforts for that purpose but tis in vain i found i could not live without you and only wished an opportunity to take one last embrace before i leave the world and you for ever in speaking these words she threw herself upon his neck and burst into a flood of tears how impossible was it for a heart such as mr trueworth's to be unmoved at a spectacle like this her love her grief and her despair shot through his very soul scarce could he refrain mingling his tears with hers my dear flora cried he compose yourself by heaven i cannot bear to see you thus he kissed her cheek while he was speaking seated her in a chair and held her hands in his with the extremest tenderness this wicked creature 
was not so overcome with the emotions of her love and grief as not to see the pity she had raised in him and flattering herself that there was in it some mixture of a passion she more wished to inspire fell a second time upon his bosom crying oh true worth true worth here let me die for death has nothing in it so terrible as the being separated from you mr trueworth was a man of strict honour great resolution and passionately devoted to the most deserving of her sex yet he was still a man was of an amorous complexion and thus tempted who can answer but in this unguarded moment he might have been guilty of a wrong to his dear harriet for which he would afterwards have hated himself if an accident of more service to him than his own virtue in so critical a juncture had not prevented him he returned the embrace she gave and joined his lips to hers with a warmth which she had not for a long time experienced from him a sudden rush of transport came at once upon her with such force that it overwhelmed her spirits and she fell into a kind of fainting between his arms he was frightened at the change he observed in her and hastily cutting the lacings of her stays to give her air the letter above mentioned dropped from her breast upon the ground he took it up and was going to throw it upon the table but in that action seeing the name of miss harriet on the superscription was struck with an astonishment not easy to be conceived he no longer thought of the condition miss flora was in but tearing open the letter began to examine the contents miss flora in that instant recovering her senses and the remembrance of what had been concealed in her bosom flew to him endeavouring to snatch the paper from his hands but he had already seen too much not to be determined to see the rest stand off cried he in a voice half choked with fury i am not yet fully acquainted with the whole of the favours you have bestowed upon me in this paper confounded as she was cunning did not quite forsake her i am ignorant of what it contains said she i found it in the street it is not mine i wrote it not with such like vain pretences would she have pleaded innocent yet all the time endeavoured with her whole strength to force the proof of her guilt from him insomuch that though he was very tall he was obliged with one hand to keep her off and with the other hold the paper at arm's length while he was reading it yet could not forbear frequently interrupting himself to cast a look full of contempt and rage on the malicious authoress vile hypocrite cried he and then again as he got farther into the base invective thou fiend in female form she now finding all was over and seized with a sudden fit of frenzy or something like it ran to his sword which he had pulled off and laid in the window and was about to plunge it in her breast he easily wrested it from her and putting it by his side oh thou serpent thou viper cried he if thou wert a man thou shouldst not need to be thy own executioner the tide of her passion then turning another way she threw herself at his feet clung round his legs and in a voice rather screaming than speaking uttered these words oh pardon me pity me whatever i have done my love of you occasioned it curse on such poisonous love rejoined he hell and its worst effects are in the name when mentioned by a mouth like thine 
than finding it a little difficult to disentangle himself from the hold she had taken of him thou shame and scandal to that sex to which alone thou owest thy safety cried he furiously quit me this instant lest i forget thou art a woman lest i spurn thee from me and use thee as the worst of reptiles on hearing these dreadful words all her strength forsook her the sinews of her hands relaxed and lost their grasp she fell a second time into a fainting fit but of a nature as different from what the former had been as were the emotions that occasioned it mr trueworth was now too much and too justly irritated to be capable of relenting he left her in this condition and only bid the people at the bar as he went out of the house send somebody up to her assistance the humour he was at present in rendering him altogether unfit for company he went directly to his lodgings where examining the letter with more attention than he could do before he presently imagined he was not altogether unacquainted with the handwriting he very well knew it was not that of miss flora yet positive that he had somewhere seen it before that which he had received concerning miss betsy and the child at denham came fresh into his head he found them indeed the same on comparing and as the reader may suppose this discovery added not a little to the resentment he was before inflamed with against the base inventress of these double falsehoods End of chapter nineteen